Proverbs chapter 13. So um, I will tell you, this was not the original message when Brother Getch asked me, and it was been a couple weeks ago where I was heading. But I just thought that I would share something today that I don't believe I've ever shared here before. It's a story. It's a story about something I did in my life. Um, I used to say this was probably the stupidest day of my life uh, and the dumbest day. But you know what? It really wasn't stupid. It really wasn't dumb. It was a transgression. I, I jumped over boundaries that I should have never jumped over. I remember the next day when I finally got to the place where I was trying to get to, I said, Lord, I said, really, actually, throughout the night, I said a couple times, I said, Lord, if I ever get out of this, I will tell people what I've done wrong in this. And I don't think I've given this like in 10, 15 years. So um, I, uh, I thought, you know what? I think it's time. And so I want to tell you uh, about something I did. Let me read a verse. And uh, let's all stand. Let's just stand for the reading of the verse. We'll have a word of prayer. And then uh, I want to I tell you a story that you're going to find hard to believe, but it's true. And I'm glad I, I, I have a witness uh, that, that was what went with me through this whole thing. And uh, it was um, just a transgression. It was more than stupidity. It was more than being dumb. It was more than being a college student. It was being a transgressor. And, uh, and in Proverbs chapter 13 came to my mind throughout that night so many times. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is, everyone say together that last word. Now the word actually means, the Hebrew word actually means permanent or set. So in other words, the idea is, there, there's no question, the idea is that you could do something as a transgressor that's permanent. That's permanent. But I think there is no question that the way of the transgressor, man, it's a tough road to go, guys. You know, our destination, how many of you know Christ is your Savior? Okay, our destination is determined. But the journey's not. Guys, we know we're, we're going to get to heaven. But the way we get there is going to be up to you in the decisions that you make. And uh, I made some really, really bad decisions one day uh, that almost cost me my life, almost got arrested, and um, I want to tell you about it tonight. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to speak in chapel. Never did I think until yesterday that I was going to ever give this story. But Lord, I believe this is what you want. Um, this has been a long week for me as dean of students and everything else. But God, I believe this is what you want me to give to the college students. I pray that in some ways it probably will be somewhat humorous. Uh, it wasn't that night, and you know that, Father. I do thank you for allowing me to get through that night. And I, I, I praise you for that, Lord. And I said that I would tell others of what I did wrong. And Lord, I pray that the student body would learn principles from your word that will help them the rest of their life. And um, I ask, Lord, that what I experienced, students in here will never experience. Uh, and that they will believe your word, that the way of transgressors is hard. And uh, Lord, I think, I think we spend most of our life, Father, trying to achieve favor and avoid folly. So Lord, I pray tonight for this student body that you would uh, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
because he was in a position, he was humble, and you didn't resist, you didn't resist Noah. Lord, I pray that these students would learn things, that um, they would uh, find favor and grace in your eyes, and they can come to chapel, learn some principles that could help them the rest of their life. Unfortunately, it's at an expense of someone else who did something wrong, but I pray that they'll learn from it. We're thankful for all these things. I thank you for this student body. God, you know what my heart is for this student body. I can't even imagine how much you love them. And Lord, as much as I love Ryder, I think I love the people in this room. And God, I, I just pray that um, they would take wise counsel today from someone who did not take wise counsel. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen. amen. You may have a seat. So I was floor leader for three years, which would translate out as a dorm supervisor. It was um, Thanksgiving of 1977. And I, um, me and uh, my best friend in college, a guy named Fred Carlson, and Fred and I were David and Jonathan. We were very close. He also was a dorm soup. And um, Fred and I, uh, something that happened in my life, my mother, my mom and dad were divorced. My mom moved up to northern Michigan. That's where I graduated from high school. I think that was a God thing. I think God protected me from a lot of things in the high school in Detroit um, that I should not have been in. I don't think I'd be here today had we not moved up. I think God providentially worked in the divorce of my mom and dad. I don't think it was right, but I think God worked in spite of that and uh, got me to northern Michigan. But after a year in college or so, mom moved down to Fort Lauderdale. There was a church down there she wanted to be a part of, and so mom moved down to Fort Lauderdale. Well, the one thing that was cool about that, I was gonna miss snow at Christmas, but I was gonna be near my best friend, Fred Carlson. Fred lived in a city called Lake Worth, Florida, which is about 45 minutes north of Plantation, Florida, which is where my mother lived. So Fred and I obviously were excited about going back uh, for Christmas break uh, together. We were both uh, dorm soups, and um, we uh, knew that we were going to have to stay longer and make sure all the rooms were cleaned out and make sure our floor passed by the dean of students before we could leave. Uh, there was a young man named Scott, I will not tell his last name, but uh, a young man named Scott who had a, a vehicle that uh, lived in West Palm, which was like almost halfway in between uh, Fred and I. I uh, went to Scott around Thanksgiving, and I said, hey, Scott, uh, are you taking anyone home in your car? He says, you know, I'm not. And I said, hey, let me ask you, I'm pretty sure I can speak for Fred here. Can we go home with you in the car? And he says, oh, yeah, that'll be good. Uh, yeah, I'm going to charge you some money. I said, oh, man, that's no problem. Uh, no problem with that. We'll, we'll do that. So at Thanksgiving, we confirmed that Fred and I would go back with Scott. Okay, that was Thanksgiving. It's about a couple of weeks later. We talked. I, I don't know if I actually did ever converse with him again, but it's like the night before we, we live, we're, we're just finishing up final exams, and uh, Fred and I go into Scott's room, and, and oh, by the way, the other thing we told him at Thanksgiving was we're going to have to go a little later because we got to make sure our floor is checked and clean before we can leave. And he said that was fine. So the night before we leave for, for Christmas break, Fred and I go into Scott's room and said, hey, uh, we'll probably be ready to go about one o'clock in the afternoon. And Scott looks at us and says, oh, Jim, Fred, I guess I forgot to tell you. Forgot to tell us what? Hey, I, I'm taking, uh, and he mentions two girls. And I immediately think, I said, we're going to be really crowded in that car. 
And um, well, when you said that you couldn't leave to like one or so in the afternoon, um, I thought that was going to be too late. And the two girls were all going to leave uh, right after chapel in the morning. And Fred and I, Scott, you're our ride home. I mean, Scott, what are you doing? I mean, you're, hey, you know what, uh, Jim, Fred, it's not going to work. I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to work. What do you mean? We don't have a ride home. I mean, this is the night before. <laughs> Scott says, hey, I'm sorry, man. I'm taking the two girls. We're going to leave right after chapel. I thought, whoa, I'm going to write you up for 100 demerits. No. <laughs> Fred and I stayed up late that night. We go like, man, what are we going to do? Now, I, to this day, I do not know who came up with the idea. I, it, it could have easily been Fred. It could have easily been me. But somewhere... Around midnight, one of us said, hey, why don't we hitchhike home? Well, now we knew a couple things right away. By the way, back in the 70s, there was a lot more hitchhiking than now. I, I, I will tell you, and for a lot more reasons. And, uh, but, um, and I, when I, in northern Michigan, I hitchhiked to school every day of my life almost. You know, I mean, if I, if I did the car, with, I, we, you just, it's, everyone picked you up. It was no big deal. So I thought, man, hitchhike from Pensacola all the way to Fort Lauderdale. Wow, that just sounds like one of those memory times. <laughs> I just thought this is gonna, you know, hey, that'll be really cool. Number one, we knew this. We cannot tell our parents that we're hitchhiking. If we call our parents, that's it, man. There is no way that my, my mom is gonna let me hitchhike home. And there's no way the Carlsons, he was a, Mr. Carlson was a missionary to the Bahamas. There is no way that the Carlsons and our Villa Shetler is gonna let us hitchhike home. So we knew that, so we don't call them. Number two, we knew we cannot tell the dean of students. There's no way that the administration is gonna let us hitchhike. So we knew to, we're, we're, okay, we're, floor, we're dorm soups. Okay, so you, are you starting to put this together here? So this is our first principle. So take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 and verse 14. Where no counsel is, the hitchhikers are killed. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Colossians, can I share this with you? And I do mean this. One of the wisest things you will ever do as a college student is set up a multitude of counselors in your life. I teach a class called Spiritual Formation in the master's level. We do a whole lecture just on developing multitude of counselors. I believe it's one of the spiritual disciplines of a Christian's life. I believe in order for a Christian to form his spiritual light, exercise thyself to godliness, he has got to have around him multitude of counselors. I'll tell you what, Fred and I jumped over the counselors God put into our life. Our parents would have said, hey, no, 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 no. We'll get you some money. You take a bus home. We'll work something out. Jim, don't you hitchhike home. You know, I know the counselors would. We already knew what the council would be. But I'm going to tell you something, college students. You ought to have a multitude of counselors that you do not make a decision in your life until you have that multitude of counselors. You know, Fred and I just jumped right over that. And here we were, I was a collegiate officer, I was a student body uh, officer, I was definitely plugging, if you, if you said leaders at PCC 1977, Fred and Jim would probably be top 10. And what are we thinking? But you know what we did? We jumped over counsel. And I wanna share this with you, Kyle, because this is really good. 
Anyone can become the transgressor in 1315 with one decision. See, all of us sitting in here are like, well, I'm not a transgressor. Yes, you can. You're one decision away from being a transgressor. You're one decision away. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what collegiate you're in. And I don't care what office you hold here. And I don't care what, how many times you go to Mission Prayer Band. You are one decision away from being a transgressor. Jim and Fred would have been leaders on the campus, a heart for God, wanting to serve the Lord. And what are we thinking? We're going to hitchhike home. Listen to me. Get counsel. Get counsel and don't step over those boundaries. Okay. So, obviously, we don't tell anyone. We both decide we're going to hitchhike home. We both had this big army duffel bag. We each had a, a duffel bag that we could put everything in. Next day, we got a late start. The, the dorm rooms weren't as clean as they should have been, and we were there cleaning and everything. I don't remember what time we left. I mean, this is a long time ago, but I do believe it was uh, around 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It was a lot later. We walked up to I-110 to get onto I-10. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and the fog was already starting to come in. It was kind of a misty night. The first people that pick us up is a college girl with her mom and dad. They live in Dothan, Alabama. Her name is Leanna. And she's really cute. And I, I mean, she was a girl I had even thought about maybe next semester, even thinking about even asking her out. She's our first ride with her parents. We had the time of our life. It was fabulous. It was great. We're thinking, this is going to be great. They asked us, listen, do your parents know that you're hitchhiking? Ah, oh, we're college guys. We're fine, man. We're good. Listen, the, the guy says, Le Leanna's uh, dad says, you can stay with us. And don't. Now, I got to tell you, I thought about that, all right? But, I, but we said, no, we're men. We're on our way. We've got a journey and a mission to accomplish. The first ride, Dr. Getch, it was as good as anything. I mean, it was just great. And I wrote this down. The wrong way usually starts out smooth. The wrong way usually starts out smooth. Hey, freshman, look at me for a minute. Every freshman, look at me. Have you had a tough semester? Oh, brother, Shatter. this has been the roughest road ever. You're probably right in the center of God's will. You know what I've learned? A lot of times, I'm not going to say all the time, but a lot of times college students, the wrong way starts out smooth. Hey, we could bring out today. Could Jonah, Jonah, would you come, come out here? Hey, Jonah, what was the weather like in Joppa that day? Oh, it's beautiful. It was so nice. I mean, I just got to tell you, the weather was absolutely beautiful. There was just a nice breeze. We knew we were going to, hey, I got to tell you what, man. After running all the way to Joppa, I got in that boat and I just fell asleep. And it was the nicest place in the world. You know, you'll find, young person, that when you step out of God's will, a lot of times it's really smooth to begin with. It's really nice to begin with. Our first ride? 
Oh, I tell you, Fred and I are thinking, this is amazing. We're saving all this money. We're hitchhiking. Fred and I, I'm with my best friend. This is really good. We're with Leanna, who may be my best friend later on, and this is a really good time. I mean, this is just a really good start. Well, they drive us all the way to an exit that they have to go up to Dothan, and it's, you know, it's about an hour down I-10 or so. It's about maybe 5, 6 o'clock in the evening. The fog's coming in, and Leanna's dad said, hey, listen, man, you're going to be hard to see on the overpass because of the fog. Ah, we'll be fine. We end up standing at that exit on that end of that overpass for three hours. No one can see us. And you could tell because when they were like right up to us, all of a sudden they would turn their brights on or something. So you, could, you knew what was happening. You knew what was happening was nobody saw us until they were right on top of us and then they're not going to stop. And we're going like, wow, this isn't working real good. After about three hours, a pickup truck comes by, pulls off. We go, yeah. We come, we throw our stuff in the back of the pickup and we get in, there's two guys in there. But this is what I'll never forget. It's so foggy that night. The guys open up the door to their truck and there is more smoke that comes out of that door than there is in the fog. All this smoke comes out. And I'm going, okay, haven't smelt that for a few years. I mean, they've been smoking weed, they've been smoking marijuana, and the truck is full of this. And we're going like, oh man, these two guys are stoned. But we need a ride. <laughs> so we get in. Take your Bibles and look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. We started at verse 15, look at verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of marijuana smokers shall be destroyed. Whoa! You know what, college students? I mean this. No one will influence you more at West Coast Baptist College than the friends that you have. You better make sure you got wise friends. Because if you have the wrong companions, you guys are going to end up wrong. We get in this truck with these guys. Now, let me tell you something about way, way, way back in the 1970s. I-10's not finished yet. From Tallahassee to Pensacola, I-10 isn't a finished uh, interstate. It turns into Highway 90 for about 40 to 50 miles. Highway 90 is a two-way road, not a divided highway. It is a two-way road because they're building I-10. We are going, and Fred's standing right sitting right next to the guy. Fred said, we easily reach 75 to 80 miles an hour. Most of the time, the fog, we could not see. You could not, we were absolutely going faster than what we were able to see with the fog. These guys are stoned out of their mind. They're driving 75, 80, and they're passing on this highway only to have cars. And we're going, this is it, we're dying. We're going to be dead. I, it was just unbelievable. And you know how many times did Fred and I think, what are we doing with these two guys? But you know what? If you begin the wrong way, you're going to pick up companions along the way that you wish you will have never had in your life. And I got to tell you, I'm sitting in a truck with two stone guys going 75 miles an hour on Highway 90 in fog. And I'm thinking, God, I'm going to die. And I, you know what? I can laugh about it today in chapel in 2019. I am scared to death.
We get to the outskirts of Tallahassee. They stop. We get out. We go, whoa. It's about 1 o'clock in the morning. It's a Friday night. About 1 o'clock in the morning, we got our duffel bags. We're sitting now at a traffic light. You had to go through Tallahassee back then. Now you go around it on I-10. But you had to <coughs> go through Tallahassee. So we're on the western side. We're at a traffic light. Another pickup comes, a white pickup with a camper on the back. And it comes and it pulls off to the side. We're probably only there about 15 minutes. We're out there hitchhiking. This white camper pulls off to the side. And we're going like, yeah! Let's go. So we pick it up. We start running up to the, white, to the white camper. We get about three yards from the white camper and it takes off. Like, wow, man. Then they, it, they stop again. You can see the brake lights. Oh, man, we come running up to the thing again. It takes off again. Goes up a little bit. Guy sticks out the window. He goes, ah, we're just joking. Come on. I said, okay, come on, Fred. We go, Fred played on the basketball team. So he was pretty good shape, you know. So we, we, we come running up. We come running up. They take off again. Oh, like, wow, man, come on. We've gone, we've run now like at least 100 yards, 200 yards. Come on. They get out of the truck and, and they said, ah, come on, man, we'll take you. We go, mm. <laughs> But we don't have too many alternatives at this point, okay? We get in. There's four people in the front of this pickup truck. Okay, they got a camper in the back, so we're thinking we're going to get in the camper. They come to the back. They can't open the back of the camper. They're drunk. They can't open the back of the camper. And they said, oh, just get in. Just get in. We get in the front of a truck. There are six of us with two large duffel bags. There was like this little compartment behind. So we put the duffel bags in there. There's six of us. The woman, one of the girls, there's two guys and two girls. The one girl just becomes the dashboard. She's laying on our lap. She's laying right in front of us. I can't see a thing. I mean, the girl's thigh and knees are right in my face. I can't see a thing. She's laying right in front of on the top of the dashboard. Fred is halfway out the window. So Fred can see everything. I can't see a thing. We're driving through Tallahassee, 1 o'clock in the morning on a Friday night. Tallahassee is called the San Francisco of the East. And when you think of Florida, you think of flat. But Tallahassee is actually quite hilly. So these guys are timing the lights at the bottom of the hills. They're going down the hills. The lights are red. They're going full speed to get through the light. And they can time it. I can't see a thing. The guy's going, I think we got it. Fred's sticking out. And he goes, you know what? I don't think you got this one. I don't think, I'm going like, <laughs> Now, I do have a big airbag in front of me, okay? So, <laughs> in more ways than one, I got an airbag in front of me. But I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I'm not even going to see my friends going, no, I don't think you got it. The guy goes, man, I got it, I got it. This is no lie. We get up the top of the next hill. There's a stake and shake that's got four cop cars in it. I can see the lights going on and off. Fred said the window was shattered. The guy driving says, ah! It's about time those blankety-plank cops got there. We broke the windows of that an hour ago. What am I doing in this truck? <laughs> what am I doing in this truck? I'm in the truck with four felons. We're sitting in this truck. We can't see. I can't see a thing. Fred's going. Fred leans over to me. He says, Jim, 
we're getting out at the next stoplight. I'm thinking, yeah, how is this going to happen? You know, there's four people besides Fred and I in the front of this thing. We stop at the next thing. Fred pulls me out. I grab the duffel bags. We get out of that thing. I still remember that car with the, with the door still flopping open was the last thing I saw as it drove away. Whether they ever got arrested, I don't know. What in the world? You say, Brother Shetler, what's your point? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 and 34. Evil communication corrupts good manners. You know what, gang? I want to share this with you. You hang around the wrong people, you are going to be corrupted. Oh, we're, we're, we're not through this night yet. And I am thinking, Lord, what have we done? The way of the transgressor is hard. This is like one of the worst nights of my life. I have never been more scared in my entire life. I have never been more tired. It's the end of the semester. I'm weary. We just finished final exams. I just cleaned a bunch of dorm rooms that I shouldn't have had to clean. And I just hitchhiked. And I just did. And I've been running up to a car. And we've been sitting alongside of the road in the fog in the panhandle. And I am so tired. We begin walking. I do not know how long Fred and I walked. It was probably about an hour and two. I know it's about four o'clock in the morning. We finally are on the other side of Tallahassee. A black car, sedan car, pulls off to the side. We're still out there hitching. Oh, no, I got to tell you about this one. Oh, no, no, no. This is a very important point. We start praying. Oh, that was a good thing to do. Yeah, we start praying. Fred and I, Fred prayed first, and then I started praying, God, we're sorry for what we've done. God, please forgive us. Give us a ride. God, give us a ride. Please help us, Lord. God, help us. Give us and Fred starts tapping me on the shoulder. And, I, you know, I'm thinking, Fred, you just prayed. Just give me a minute here, you know. So we're, we're praying, and Fred taps me on the shoulder again. And I go, what, Fred? He said, there's a car. Lord, thank you. Oh, God, thank you. We go running up to the car. Two Navy guys get out. They're drunk as anything. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. They get out. We're putting our stuff in the back of the car. And you could tell. You could, you could smell the alcohol. We're putting our stuff in the back of the car. And as we're doing, Fred comes back to me and he says, Hey, Jim, they're going to Panama City. What? They're, they're not going to Lake City. They're going to Panama City. What are you talking about? That's the other way. I know. They're going the wrong way. I need to tell them. No, no, no. Let's not. Let's not tell them. I think uh, God brought this. Jim, we got to let these guys know they're going the wrong way. Oh, man, but I, but I just prayed. Listen to Psalm 66 and verse 18. Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I'm sitting on the side of a street on the other side of Tallahassee at four o'clock in the morning praying to a God that's not going to hear me because I got stinking transgression in my heart. And can I just tell you this, college student? Some of you got stuff in your heart. You have not had an answer to prayer for a long time. You better examine your heart. Here I thought, oh, God's answered it. God, no, God didn't answer it. Those guys did a, a Yui, turned and went the other way. Wow. I cannot tell you how defeated I felt. And I will tell you guys, I was so physically exhausted. I don't remember exactly when, but it was about an hour later, a pickup truck pulled off to the side. It was one man in the back. And we asked the guy, he had some tarps in the back, could we just lay in the back of the truck 
and, um, and sleep. And he said, yeah, sure, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. So we get in the back, we put the tarps over us, and we sleep for about two hours. It's early in the morning. The guy pulls off to a rest area. When he pulls off to the rest area, we pull the tarps back. There's two guys sitting in the back of the truck with us. I'm like, where did these guys come from? And we said, who are you guys? We've been hitchhiking from California. We said, what? What day did you leave? Oh, it was about Wednesday. We left. I said, that is crazy. We're not even on the, we're just on the other side of Tallahassee after 15 hours, okay? They're, they made it all the way from California from Wednesday. You know what? It really does show you a lot of things about God's speed and God's timing and what God's going to do in your life and, and how hard the way of the transgression. We talk to these guys. We don't even know who these guys are. By the way, oh, I've got to tell you this. One of the things that we justify, oh, this is so important. When Fred and I left, one of the things that we justified hitchhiking was that we're going to have opportunities to witness, to tell people about Jesus. We never told one person about Jesus that whole night. We were so scared, so tired, so worn out. The thing that we justified, oh, we're going to make this a godly thing. We're going to go against our parents. We're not going to get any counsel, but we're going to witness for Jesus. We didn't witness to one person that whole night. And we thought that was, how, that was how we finally figured out how we could justify it in our conscience. This is going to be a good thing. This is going to be like a missions trip. No, this wasn't a missions trip at all. Except for if we were the mission field, you know? So the guy drove us to um, right where he was continuing on to Jacksonville, right where I-75. This is a huge intersection. It's early Saturday morning now. This is a huge intersection, and cars are flowing like crazy onto it. We're, we're, we're there still hitchhiking. We are wiped out. This is one of the last things I want to share with you. This was amazing to me. As we're hitchhiking, and we're at this ramp where I-10 flows into I-75 to go south. We're hitchhiking. There's a long traffic jam. The traffic's barely moving. A light blue Impala drives by us. On the back window, it says Pensacola Christian College. Fred says, Jim, it's Miss Farmer. It's Miss Farmer's car. She was an art teacher there at the college. That's Miss Farmer. And, and, and Fred says, she lives in Miami. There's our ride. That's it. Fred starts taking off because he's faster than me. Fred starts taking off uh, Miss Farmer. Now, let me tell you, Miss Farmer's not looking in her rearview mirror at all. She's watching the traffic flow from I-75, and it's going slow, but it's moving. I still, I'm holding these two, these two duffel bags watching Fred. It was like a slow motion movie. Fred was just like, he was within a yard of just tapping the car to let her know we were there. She's within a, he's within a yard of the car and the car pulls onto I-75 and takes off. We go like, oh, that was one of our faculty members. We just missed it. You know what I've learned about a transgressors? Now listen to this, because I wrote this down. Timing is God's tokens. I think the scriptures are, are God's GPS. But I think timing is God's tokens. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11, it's a really interesting verse. It says that he maketh all things beautiful in his time. Now listen to me. I'm not saying that the road's not rough. 
I'm not saying there's not valleys. I'm not saying there's not adversity. I'm not saying there's not problems in the center of God's will. But there is something about God's will that you can always know. God gives you little tokens in his will. And usually those little tokens are timing things. Like, okay, that was a God thing that that just happened right now. And that timing is so important. But the way of the transgressor is hard. When you're not living where you're supposed to be living, when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you just miss stuff. Lord, if I would have been here an hour earlier, oh God, what, what happened with this? Man, I had this. And you know what? The tokens that you, I, I'm not telling you smooth way. No, God's will is going to be difficult. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be problems. But God sends to give these tokens of time that you know, I know I'm on the right path. I got to tell you, I come up to Fred. Fred's on his knees and Fred is bawling. Fred says, Jim, what have we done? When we missed Miss Farmer, that was amazing. We were within a yard of a ride that could have at least finished us all the way down to Lake Worth. We were just, uh, she, she would have been glad there was nobody else even in the car. We just missed it. And I got to tell you, I sat there, I put my arms around Fred. I've been telling you, Fred's the greatest friend I ever had in college. What are we doing? And young person, I want to tell you something. Some of you are a step out of God's will, man. When was the last time you got your prayers answered? When was the last time you saw a token? The way of the transgressor is hard. There's one other thing that I wanted to say. I said it at the very beginning. It was destined that we were going to make it to Fort Lauderdale. We got to Orlando. Another guy picked us up. He was a charismatic guy. We talked a little bit about the Lord, but you know what? I fell asleep like that. I was so wiped. I couldn't even talk to the guy. He drove us to the edge of Orlando, of which place Fred calls his dad and said, Hey, Dad, can you come pick us up? You know, I'll never forget what we ate. We had no money at all. I'll never forget, I will always thank God for Wendy's. I got a bowl of chili, and I put in 17 packs of crackers in that one bowl of chili. <laughs> I just kept on putting, you couldn't taste the chili, but it was a little moist. I, I mean, I, that was the only thing I'd eaten the whole time. We were going to save all this money. The way of the transgressor is hard. College student. When Fred and I finally got to Lake Worth, of course, first thing Mr. Carlson said, why didn't you call us? Because we are stupid people and because we're transgressors. I want to tell you something, college student. Your life is determined. You're all going to heaven. You're getting there. But you will determine the journey that you take. And I want to encourage you, man. Get some good counselors. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And don't keep jumping over things that you know that you're trying to make happen, that you're trying to make it to be God's will. I'm telling you, the way of the transgressor is hard. And he will give favor to those that will follow him. College students, I just want to encourage you. you got a great life ahead of you. Don't mess it up. Take the right journey. Take the right way. Pick the right friends. And do the right things along the way. And God will bless you. Now, that was a bad night, but I've had a lot of great life. And I think a lot of it's because I've listened to people. I didn't that night. I didn't that night. I didn't even want to listen to anybody. But I just want to tell you something, college students. 
God's got such great plans for you. And the journey can be an absolute evidence of his grace if you allow it. Some of you are thinking about stepping out of God's will. You know what? You're going to sneak down out of Antelope Valley and go down to L.A. all by yourself or go with somebody else. No one's going to find out about it. And at first it's like, wow, it all worked together really good. It was really, this was so cool how we did this. Let me tell you something, it doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. You can listen to a chapel message and learn from it, or you can find out yourself. But let me encourage you. Follow the Lord with all of your heart. Get some good counselors in your life and let God guide the journey, not just the destination.